0: that you have given us. Thank you for your wonderful, extravagant love being poured upon us daily. Thank you for this time that we can be together to look into your word and contemplate your wonderful love, gift of God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Be present in our midst this morning and speak to our hearts out of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. Uh, started last week with what I call the Christmas glory. And we are talking about, of course, in the fullness of time, right? God sent forth his Son, and we beheld his glory, full of grace and truth. What is glory? Glory is kind of one of those words that's hard to describe, um, hard to define. Uh, yet we use glory a lot, and glory is used in the Bible a whole lot. A whole lot. So we started in John last week where john that was John's description of the incarnation. Um, We beheld his glory full of grace and truth. And then um, we went back to think about and consider how God's glory was revealed in the Old Testament through, of course, the tabernacle. We saw We we read a verse that said the glory was like fire, right? Isn't that what it what it was? <laughs> the glory was like fire. Everyone who tried to describe glory kind of describes it a little bit differently. But it's kinda of, it's the essence of God, isn't it? The essence of who He is is hard to describe. And yet it's real. We've experienced it in some in some measure, anyway, and when we see him face to face, wow, that will be glory. There's a song that says that, will be glory, right? Amen. And so we know, we saw that with Moses, when he, when God gave the law and he went up on the mountain, the glory of God says that, uses that word, glory, and and he went up and his face, when he later on, when he came down, his face shone from being with, that close to the glory, his, his own face shone. So, wow, that's pretty interesting, right? And God wanted to set that tabernacle in the midst of his children, of the Israelites, and he did for a time and a season. And then when they, you know, willfully chose to be like the nations around them and worship idols and commit all kind of fornication, the Lord said, I have pardoned them because God was going to wipe out the Israelites and Moses interceded for them. But he said, as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. And he said, those, those, those men who have seen my glory, remember, they, God chose Israel, brought them out to the mount, you know, unto the wilderness and to the mount of Sinai, revealed himself in a way that hadn't been, hadn't happened up until that point. And we talked about that a little bit last week. I'm just kind of recapping here how he had to keep the people far away and they were scared they trembled it wasn't uh like a uh, joyful like woohoo you know it was moses you know this is too scary like uh, you go talk to god we don't want to experience that again it was it was fearsome which is a part of god that we don't really think about much anymore or um, have presented to us much anymore that you know when we come into the awesome presence of god it's it's fearsome and of course now because of Jesus, we, we can approach. So some of that fearsomeness is gone. But as they experienced, it, it was very fearsome. So when, when they chose to, to live in a way, you know, God had set his tabernacle right in the midst. They all had their tribes camped all around the, the tabernacle. He was in the middle. Remember the cloud, cloud of pillar of cloud by day. Smoke, the fiery pillar by night. There was that was representing God's glory, right? That was over the holy of holies, in there. Okay, and um, when they wouldn't follow God's what God had laid out for them to follow, He said to Moses, "Okay." He says now. He says you have to take the tabernacle and you have to move it. He said, "I can't keep it there. I'm too sacred. The, The glory is too sacred. My glory is too sacred." Uh, You have to put it out, Uh, not in the middle anymore, out. And they used to watch Moses, it says, that going out to the tabernacle, sad, it was sad, wasn't it? They had to watch him go out there to the tabernacle to speak with God for them. Thank God for Jesus, right? This makes us more appreciative of the Christmas story, that God became man and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, that he came because otherwise we'd still be far off wouldn't we we'd still be far off as they were and they were far off but the the uh, gentiles they were even further off <laughs> so that's us we, we 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 would be even further further off okay so but you see here that God's intent was to reveal himself to reveal his glory to bring his glory nigh so that people could see him for who he was Alright, so today we're going to look at some of the uh, rest of the Old Testament and see how, and I've only again picked out a certain, a certain cross section of them. There's more than we're, what we're going to look at, but I've picked out verses that have the word glory in them and, and where prophecies foretold and used, talked about the glory of the Lord and um, <clears throat> the prophets and, and the kings and, and different ones that um, refer to it. We see uh, David, when he was, God raised him up, right? David was a man after God's own heart. He had a desire to bring back the ark. Remember, the ark had been stolen in the battle with Eli and his sons when they got killed. And he had a desire to bring it back and he had a desire to be in the ta- in, in there with the presence of the Lord where the ark was he had a desire to be in there his heart was for that he wanted God's glory to be revealed so he 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 did that and um, he David kind of has more of a New Testament experience than we see in a lot of the others in the Old Testament because he just delighted he just delighted in in spending time before the glory of the Lord, before the ark, with the, in the presence of God, and He did. He had a good, the Lord, the God was God's testimony of Him. He has a heart after God, and um, so we see that in David and in some of his Psalms. So we're going to look at some of them today. Uh, um, if you don't have a Bible, grab one. There's plenty around. Psalm three, three. What better place to start than this? Psalm three, verse three. Brandon, would you read that for us when you find it? But you, Lord, are the shield around you. my glory. The Lord who lifts my head. Amen. We sing that sometimes, right? We sang that last Sunday. You are my glory and the lifter of my head. That's where it comes from. We're not just singing foolishness. We're singing. We're singing Scripture. We're singing Scripture. He is my glory and the lifter of my head. All right. And David understood that. Okay, let's go on. Um, Psalm 8 1. Kim, would you read that for us? Lord our Lord, your name is in most wonderful name in all the earth. It brings you praise and the heavenly heaven. All right, so it, yours, yours used praise, thy glory above the heavens. Who has said thy glory above the heavens? Okay, and in Psalm 4, oh no, in the same, same Psalm 8, verses 4 to 6. Uh, Mom, would you read that? What is man, that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man, that thou visitest him, for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor, and made his chapter. Then he of the works of thou art, and you put all things under his feet. Okay. So here we have a of Scripture that refers to Christ and um, see him crowned with glory and honor. Okay, let's go on. Psalm 29 twenty nine nine. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everyone says glory. Wow. <laughs> well, we don't ever think of the voice of the Lord having anything to do. With the birth of of the deer, right? <laughs> it's an interesting verse. And the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in His temple, everyone says glory. The Psalm seventy-two, nineteen. Carol, would you read that for us? Praise the glorious name forever. Let His glory fill the whole world. Amen. And amen. All right. Blessed be his glorious name forever and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Hallelujah. Again, speaks to us of the day of salvation that was yet to come. And then Psalm 102, 16. Shirley, would you be willing to read that? The Lord shall build a Zion; He shall appear to the glory. Okay, there we have it again. The Lord shall build up Zion. Praise the Lord. And then Psalm 104, verse 31. Don, would you be? Are are you? Do you need glasses, or are you okay there? Amen. Amen. Okay. So there we read that it will endure forever. Then, of course, after and there's many other places in the Psalms that it refers to His glory, but those are just like I said, a handful. After David, of course, Solomon. David stored up and stored up and stored up because he loved God's presence. He wanted there to be a, a tab- that he wanted there to be a temple, not just a tabernacle, not just a tent. Actually, the tabernacle was no more then, and he had he had built a little tent for for the ark in his day, and so he wanted God to have a dwelling place. And God told him, Ah, oh, He said, I don't need a dwelling place. He said, I fill the whole earth. But and he told he told David you can't do it <laughs> anyway you're 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 a man of war and your hands are too bloody I have to um, you, I'll let your son do it so David said okay and then he stored up he got stuff and he piled it up and he piled it up and he piled it up and he instructed Solomon the first thing that you to do is to build a, this is for the temple this is to build up the temple of the Lord and of course we know. That he did do that, didn't he? Solomon did build the temple of the Lord, and he overlaid everything with gold, and it was a beautiful, beautiful structure. And in First Kings eight eleven, all right, I'm going to start reading. I'm going to start reading to you from the beginning, and then I'll uh, call on a few of you to read also. Now Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes the chief fathers of the children of Israel, to King Solomon in Jerusalem, that they might bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the city of David, which is in Zion. David had it in a little tent, and um, now the, the temple was was finished. Therefore all the men of Israel assembled with King Solomon at the feast in the month of Ethanim which is the seventh month. So all the elders of Israel came and the priests took up the ark. Then they brought up the ark of the Lord, the tabernacle of meeting, and all the holy furnishings that were in the tabernacle. And the priests and the Levites brought them up. Also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who were assembled with him were with him before the ark, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be counted or numbered for multitude. Wow. Lots and lots of sacrificing. You know, if if we had to bring one sacrifice, that would overwhelm us, right? I mean, come on, let's let's be serious here. If you had to sacrifice one animal today, wouldn't that be uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be a traumatic experience, right there, right? Then, the, but this was uh, so many they couldn't even count them. And then the priests brought in the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place into the inner sanctuary of the temple to the most holy place under the wings of the cherubim. And the cherubim spread their two wings over the place of the Ark, and the cherubim overshadowed the Ark and its poles. The poles extended so that the ends of the poles could be seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from outside, and they are there to this day. Well, to the day that this was written (laughs) Nothing was in the ark except the two tablets of stone which Moses put there at Horeb, when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. It came to pass when the priests came out of the holy place. Here we are, okay? Read it with me if you have a similar version. And it came to pass when the priests came out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. So here here we are at the dedication of the temple and God shows up. He was pleased. His glory comes in such a way that they can't even minister. And you know we've all experienced that to some degree where suddenly God shows up as we're worshiping him and it just kind of overthrows our program and we just have to allow God to be God and do what He's doing, and that's wonderful, right? <laughs> that's wonderful, and so we see that there, and it makes it makes it drives home the truth to us that God is real. We need to be able to perceive Him somehow, because we walk by faith, not by sight, <laughs> right? And um, It's hard. It's hard to continue to walk by faith, not by sight. And so God finds opportunities. He finds ways to reveal himself to us. I mean, he doesn't have to because we do see him in the creation all around him. And, you know, there's so many ways. And, of course, he does want us to walk by faith, not by sight. But God loves us so much that he's longing to reveal himself to us. And so whenever we give him opportunity enough opportunity he'll he'll come and he'll he'll come he'll he'll allow us to perceive him closer it's not that he gets closer or that he increases no because God's the same all the time but our perception suddenly we become more aware of his glory and of, that he's real and we sense we sense it a little bit more greatly at, at different times in our lives those are times that encourage us God bless you that, it, that encourage us and, and that we can hang on to in the dark times when we feel nothing. There's times when we walk the walk and it's dry and it's just putting one foot in front of the other and it's not, it's not sparkles and balloons and no feeling and, and nothing going on. But we know that we know and we just, we, we keep going and we remember those times where we, sensed God and we know we, we were sure that he was real and we, we felt his presence and as we continue in that of course then you know we, we get through the we get through the desert we don't stay there forever okay well as we go on of course we know that you know there are different kings came and many of the kings were wicked wicked men um, some some were godly some were godly for a short time um, many of them were godly for portions of of, of, of their reign. Uh, repented when judgment would come and, and, uh, so on and so forth. And, um, eventually, of course, we'll get, we get to the time of the pro- prophets. Of course, some of the prophets were interwoven with the, uh, with the kings of Israel. And, uh, Isaiah was one of them. He was, um, at the time of Hezekiah and, uh, Uriah, I think it was. And anyway, um, so during this time, and then Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and all these guys, right? And they started to prophesy. And Ezekiel, he sees the glory of God, right? Isaiah sees the glory of God, and they all start to. If you if you go through those books, and just mark the just mark the word glory, you'll be amazed how many how many times how many times it's in there. So the prophets foretold that Messiah would come and that the earth would be filled with his glory. So. Everything was pointing towards the Christmas story, what we call the Christmas story, right? Everything is pointing towards the coming of Christ into our world. And God is deliberately setting the stage. I uh, said that to us last week. It's not he's not in a hurry. He didn't bring the Savior through Eve, although he could have. Okay, God is God. He, Jesus could have come through through Eve. But no, God has a plan and a purpose and a design, and, and he's, he's intricate. The details are intricately set and, and prepared. There's preparation and preparation. And, you know, um, we sometimes, we just are so impatient that we don't even understand sometimes. And we, we have to be reminded when our prayer isn't answered instantaneously, Oh, wait a minute. God's at work. God's at work. It says that when we pray, He hears us. The answers are on the way. But it takes, sometimes it takes a bit of preparation. It takes a bit of, of other things that God is working on and doing before we see the complete, the full answer revealed in our, in our surroundings. And our part is to trust that process. We see all through the Old Testament, God's not sleeping. He's he's not just uh, gone on vacation until he wakes up one day and says, ding dong, I think I'll send Christ down today. No, that's not our God. All through these years, he's preparing. He's, he's building. He's building. He's bringing bringing us up to the point where Christ is going to come into the world. And so if we look at Isaiah 40, of course that's a familiar one, we have there the uh, foretelling of John the Baptist, okay? There we have Isaiah 40, the very beginning. Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort ye, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Wow. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. That's John the Baptist, a voice in the wilderness, crying, prepare the way of the Lord. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low. That's not talking about uh, topography, that's talking about <laughs> spiritual warfare, that's right, it's talking about stuff in our lives, stuff people's hearts and lives. The crooked places shall be made straight. We all have crooked places in us, if the truth be told, crooked places that we've either inherited or, or developed over time, and they need to be made straight. And the only one who can make them straight is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We can't straighten out the crooked places in our lives. We can't deliver ourselves from things that we've inherited, from our, our ancestors, so to speak. No, it's true. You know there's bents and there's stuff in our lives sometimes we don't understand why we struggle so hard with them. but some oftentimes it's because of this. It's generational. It's something that's that's gone on back there, doesn't mean it can't be broken. I'm not saying to be afraid. God can break all that stuff. He can make the crooked places straight. But I'm just saying that we have to understand that where some of the stuff, where some of the struggle comes from, it's not all our fault, unless we choose not to come to Christ and submit it to Him to let Him Him straighten it out because He's the one who can. He can break all of those chains. He can deliver us from all that needs deliverance from, but we have to bring ourselves to Him and ask for it. That's what He's asking us to do. And and we, I said that last week when we look at the Christmas story. Each and every one of the people that were involved in it—Mary, Joseph, Anna, Simeon, shepherds, Elizabeth, and and uh, Zacharias—they were all willing. They were all willing players. He wasn't coercing them. God wasn't like breaking their arm and saying, "You gotta do this now." Somehow we get it. You know, our world gives us that picture of God. Oh, you know, you follow God, He's gonna really wreck up your life, you know, and you'll be miserable. Well, that's just a lie. Now God, God, the Lord is the only one who can fix that, fix you up, straighten you out, <laughs> clean you up, give you help, set you free. And send you on your way rejoicing. He's the only one who can do that. And that's what this is talking about. The crooked places shall be made straight. And the rough places smooth. And now what's the next thing? If you got to read it. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So there we have in the prophecy of John coming. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And that was Jesus who was to come and then there's more in Isaiah we're going to jump around a little okay let's go to Isaiah 11 because of course Isaiah has quite a few and I remember when we were studying the book of Revelation I said this to you that Isaiah is a good example of how to understand the book of Revelation Isaiah is prophesying for his time um, but but his prophecies go beyond to the to the coming of Messiah, and then sometimes even beyond that to to the ultimate end of the age. And so we see that saw that in the Book of Revelation also. So that's that's what we're seeing here. Um, some of it, of course, was eminent judgment. Uh, other of it was to John the Baptist, to Jesus to coming. Okay, so uh, uh, chapter eleven, verse ten. Let's see. We'll go back to Brandon. Would you read that for us? Good, yes, so there we see that the root of Jesse and Jesus came from the line of David, right? And Jesse was David's father. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and glory shall be his resting place. All right, Isaiah 28, 5. Kim, let's see what your Bible says. Okay, so crown of glory is what the older versions say. And for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. Okay, in that day shall the Lord be. crown of glory. So we wear that crown of glory in our knowing Christ, right? He's our crown of glory. All right, Isaiah forty six thirteen. Go ahead, Mom. I bring near my righteousness, and it shall not be far off, and my salvation shall not tarry, and I will place salvation thine for Israel, my glory. Hmm. Called Israel His glory, which is fairly amazing considering all of the deviations. Uh, so you see that you know when we are loved by God, He considers us His glory. That's that's amazing. That's, that that totally your mind. <laughs> that is wonderful. And again, what I started to say to us last week: we forget that when Christ lives here, where there's Christ within. There's good. There's goodness there. <laughs> it's not all rottenness. That's you know what we've been so so ingrained and taught that in our in our flesh dwells no good thing, and that's truth. I'm not saying that's not true. And that you know our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, and that's true. I'm not saying that's not true. But it's not true once Christ moves in. Amen. Once Christ moves in, our heart is filled with the glory of heaven, and we contain that glory to some degree. And as much as we allow it to shine out of us, it will. We have to cooperate. And when we understand that, it helps us to want to be more careful how we conduct ourselves. Because we don't want to mar the beauty of Christ shining out of us. And we can. Okay? We can. It's just like with the Israelites. They had choices to make. Okay? God set himself down right in the middle of them. Okay, right in the middle of us, right in our hearts. For them, it was an outward, outward thing. But right in the middle of them, and he wanted to stay there. He wanted to be in relationship with them. He wanted them to see how glorious he was and how wonderful he was. And then they chose fornication, immorality, worship idols. They chose. They chose. They chose. They chose. God said, "I can't stay here. Put put the tabernacle far away." Well, hello, you know, unfortunately, again, Christianity's been represented to, to us. Give your heart to Christ and then just go ahead. Go on your happy, merry-go-looking way. Forget about everything. Don't worry about a thing. Just keep going any old way and uh, you'll, you'll be fine. Well, that's really not what we see in the Word of God. When we come and Christ moves in, he wants to clean us up. And he wants to shine out of us so the world can see him. But we can mar that. We can mar that by choosing incorrectly, just like they just like just like David. The neat part is that we're not left like they are to their own resources. We have the power of the Holy Spirit available to us. We come and we say, Lord, I can't do this. I need your Holy Spirit. Pull, fill me up. I need a new one filling. Fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. So I will make them uh, be able to make the right choices here. I don't want to mar your glory. I don't want people to look at me and be offended. I want people to look at me and see you shining forth. He needs us. As I said to us last week, it's a desperate hour, and he needs us, but we have got to permit it. We've got to cooperate. We've got to be willing because it's the day of his power, and he needs each and every one of us. Let's go to Isaiah 60. Okay, here we have. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all round and see, they all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed, At your side. Okay, we'll stop there. But there we have that again. The light, for your light has come. What's that light? What's it talking about? It's not talking about electricity. Jesus Jesus is the light it's talking about and Him coming into the world when it was dark. It was a dark, dark time. You know, between Old Testament and New Testament, there were those years, those 400 years that they say are called the dark years, right? And that's when they have the Maccabees thing and all of that. And then they, they had that celebration of light and all of that. Well, Jesus was the light. They were waiting for something to happen. They were waiting for Messiah to come. And when Jesus came, the light came into the world. And as we accept him into our lives and get filled with him, we have that light within us. And we need to be good bearers of that light and the world is dark today just as it was then okay and 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 we need to let the light shine the world needs the light of jesus as much as it ever did and it always has and it always will you know um, it's not if you read if you really read history and understand you know not not n- not from what our uh, the liber- liberal media give us but if you really if you really read his, the history of Of mankind, the world has always been dark. There's always been darkness. The darkness doesn't isn't lessened at at one time or another. The darkness is great, but Jesus is the light, and He is the answer for life's problems and for life. And so we need to come to Him, and we need to let that light shine through us, so that many others can come to Him too. Turn to Isaiah 66 with me. And we'll read there too. Rejoice, Verse 10. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad with her, all you who love her. Rejoice for joy with her, all you who mourn for her. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. So the description there is that the glory of God will be like a flowing stream. How's that going to happen? That's only going to happen as we allow his glory to flow through us. And then I have a few other things here. And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion and upon her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night, for the glory shall be a canopy over all. There we go. We want to live under that canopy, right? The canopy of God's glory. And another one, I don't have the reference here for this. Violence shall be no more heard in thy land, wasting nor destruction within thy borders, but thou shalt call thy walls salvation and thy gates praise. The sun shall be no more thy light. This is, now this is the prophecy that goes forward in, towards heaven. The sun shall be no more thy light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light and thy God thy glory. Yes. Amen. Nice. The sun shall no more go down, neither shall thy moon withdraw itself, for the Lord shall be thine everlasting light, and the days of thy mourning shall be ended. The people also shall be all righteous, they shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. So we see here through the book of Isaiah, many times that the glory is referred to. Jesus is referred to as the glory and that coming, that coming glory. All right, let's look at, there's a few more that we want to look at before we close this morning about in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 39, 21. Ezekiel 39, 21. And I will set my glory among the heathen, and all the heathen shall see my judgment that I have executed, and my hand that I have laid upon them. So, of course, we know Ezekiel also saw unto heaven and saw wheels and wings and All kinds of, but um, he saw the glory of God. It says that many times in Ezekiel, how um, the Lord stood him, he fell down on his face, and God stood him up on his feet and said, son of man, what do you see? And made him say what he saw, and he saw the glory of God in various ways, shapes, and forms, okay? It was hard for him to describe it. All right, let's turn to Habakkuk 2.14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Praise the Lord. That's a promise and a half, right? We can stand upon that. Lord, that's what we want. The earth, earth to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Well, how's that happen? That happens through you and me. That happens through you and me, allowing Jesus Christ to shine out of us and to be God in our lives and then in Haggai 2 a few more pages over Haggai 2 for thus saith the Lord of hosts yet once it is a little while and I will shake the heavens and earth and sea and dry land I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come and I will fill this house with glory saith the Lord of hosts the silver is mine the gold is mine the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. And so we see that God's desire is to reveal the glory. Oh, one more Zechariah. Let's look at Zechariah yet. 6, verse 12. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, and he shall grow up out of his place. He shall build the temple of the Lord. Even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon his throne, and he shall be a priest upon his throne. The council of peace shall be between them both. That speaks of Jesus when he came and revealed his glory as he walked among men. And uh, for I, saith the Lord, will be unto her a wall of fire round about, and will be the glory in the midst of her. There we see glory uh, connected with the fire again, right? I will be a wall of fire round, them, and the glory in the midst of her. So here we've seen in the the Old Testament a little bit how everything that points to Jesus always mentions that the glory is going to be revealed. And what a wonderful privilege that we have that awesome privilege to, to allow his glory to shine through us. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about Christ. And it's so lost in our world. It's so lost. You know I love to celebrate. You know I love, I love to put up the Christmas tree and all of that stuff, but that is not what Christmas is about. Christmas is about allowing Christ to shine through us, not just in December, but all year long. Let that glory shine and let it increase. Let it increase. Let it increase. Get more filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We need the Holy Spirit. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can be good uh, vehicles for conductors for that light to shine. And we want to be good conductors, right? When the light bulb goes out, you, you change it, you replace it, right? We don't want God to have to replace us because we let the light go out in us. We want to be good conductors of the light. We want to let that light shine and let it shine and let it shine. And again, that our choices affect how Christ is perceived through our living. And so, Let's ask for his help, get more filled with the Holy Spirit, allow that light to shine. Next week we're going to go, of course, into the New Testament and see some more of how um, Jesus is referred to as the glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Remember that verse? Christ in you, the hope of glory. So I'm not just making this stuff up. It's all connected. (laughs) I know today was a little rough plowing because we were in the Old Testament, But it is good for us to see that, that that glory thing was going on already in the Old Testament, just pointing forward, pointing forward. And now we can look back and we can, we can live forward because of the glory of God that is, has been revealed. So we have so much to be thankful for, so much to rejoice in that the truth of God has shined on our hearts. So let's rejoice in it for ourselves. But let's share it with others and really bring Jesus in this, in this holiday season. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord for your glory that you have revealed to our hearts. Lord, we will never be good conductors of your light except you come and help us. And so we just ask you this morning once again that you will fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit in such a way that your light will shine through us. Help us in our choices, in our daily choices. Help us, Lord, that we'll be able to choose to, to live our lives in such a way that we won't hinder your glory shining out, Lord. We want to be good conductors of your light and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.